And so we pray that the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our King and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, thank you, Matthew, for taking us uh, through those names. It's always a bit of a challenge if you're on the Bible reading and there's a whole lot of names to be spoken. But actually, we'll find that these names are really important. Who were these people? What was their background? Uh, We can learn something from their names. What we're looking at today is the story of uh, the church in Jerusalem. As you know, we're beginning a series, we began last week, uh, on different early Christian communities. So we were looking at Antioch last week, and uh, today we're going to look at another of these communities, Jerusalem, which, of course, is the place where the Holy Spirit came, and in many ways the beginning of the story. We've been talking about stories that's been woven through uh, what we've been uh, thinking about in our worship. And the story of the Christian church uh, begins in many ways uh, with uh, Pentecost, with the coming of the Spirit. And here's uh, a stained glass window from Cologne in Germany, reminding us of how this Christian message came across Europe. And uh, you can see uh, little bits of flame on the top of people's heads. Can you see that? Uh, I think possibly those tongues of fire might have been a little bit bigger than that. That's my imagination of it anyway, but at least you've got the idea there of uh, the Spirit uh, coming. And there was this great event uh, which launched uh, the Christian movement. But of course, there have been in many ways different Pentecosts, different times Uh, when the Spirit came upon the church. And here's another stained glass uh, from West Africa. And uh, Janice and I have been here in this uh, cathedral in Abidjan. My uh, sister was working in West Africa. And this is another movement of the Spirit, actually, this story in West Africa. Uh, About 100 years ago, there was a preacher called uh, William Harris, or William Wade Harris, who started to travel around this part of Africa, around West Africa, and uh, he traveled and he preached. And over about 18 months, not a long time, he baptized 100,000 people. William Wade Harris became known as Prophet Harris because of uh, uh, the power of the word that he spoke. So it was a kind of a Pentecost. It was a kind of an outpouring of the Spirit. These 100,000 people were baptized in this relatively short space of time. It didn't have a lot of links with other uh, churches in Africa at that time, but it was an amazing time. And we have these times in the story of the church. We have these times uh, when it seems like very, very powerful things happen. Now, back in Jerusalem, uh, what we had was the emergence very quickly Uh, of a large community of these early Christians praising God, as we've been doing this morning, celebrating who God is, sharing their lives uh, together, and uh, going out with the message. So, do you remember this from last week, those of you who were here last week? The uh, up and the in and the out. You'll get a bit tired of this because it's going to appear from time to time. Uh, And as we look at these different communities, we're looking at what does it mean to have something up 
What does it mean to have something in? and What does it mean to have something out? And in the short video clip as well, you can see that they were thinking through what does that mean when you do things a bit differently. So what happened uh, in this first church was different to what happened in Antioch. Last week we were talking about Antioch, uh, and uh, I won't go over all of that. If you haven't uh, caught up, it's on the uh, listen again uh, on our website. Uh, But what happened there was different to what happened here in Jerusalem. What happened here in terms of the up uh, was that they were waiting. Jesus had said, wait in Jerusalem. And they were waiting and they were praying and they were not really sure what was going to happen. There was no real plan. Uh, And in that time of looking up, waiting and expecting, something happened. The Holy Spirit came in power, these Flames or tongues of fire came down, we read, upon them. And they began to speak. And I kind of associate in my mind uh, the tongues of fire with the tongues of languages. They were given languages to speak, to communicate to the many different people who were there in Jerusalem at the time. So the very beginning of this church is about a relationship with God, a waiting on God, and a church that becomes filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I kind of touched on this last week, saying, that's really what I want in our church. That's what I want in my life, uh, that we might be open to the Spirit in that way, that we might know His power coming upon us. There's a book called The Church in the Power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, just the title is enough for me, but it's worth reading as well. Uh, It's by a theologian called... Jürgen Moltmann. And Moltmann, way back in the days of the Nazis, he was German, is German, uh, was somebody who was scarred in his teenage life by uh, that period of time, that terrible period. Uh, But through it, he came to know Jesus Christ personally and became a disciple and follower of Jesus. And a lot of the work that Moltmann has done is about hope. We've been thinking about that as well. Uh, So out of his experience of the darkness and the despair, uh, he has thought about the whole idea of God in his work as being a work of hopefulness. But also this book that he wrote, The Church in the Power of the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean to be a church in the power of the Holy Spirit? It sounds great, and it's something that could give you a lot of warm fuzzies, you know, the Holy Spirit, but, or it might give you a bit of a help, the Holy Spirit, no, Um, but whatever, it's actually concrete, it does, something happens, and in this early Jerusalem church, uh, there's a whole series of things that we know about what they did, they were teaching, the apostolic teaching was in the power of the Spirit, it wasn't just doing something, it was being connected, It was an up. There was fellowship in the power of the Holy Spirit. Something happened because of that dynamic of the Holy Spirit between people. They were praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. So it runs through all of this uh, story in Jerusalem, uh, the way in which they connected with who God was through the Holy Spirit. Now, Beth spoke about uh, the small groups that are uh, happening. Some have been around for a while. Some are new groups. And for all of you who might be interested 
in these smaller groups. I want to kind of entice you a little bit uh, because I believe that in these groups, a lot of the things that we think about in terms of the up can happen. Of course, these things can happen in our worship together when we're here on a Sunday. But that's only a part, a part of the life of the Christian community here in Camborne. There are other things that are going on, very important things. So if you want to get plugged in to one of those things, I think that will help you uh, to listen to God, to be involved in hearing what other people are saying and sharing the Word of God together. So this is, in terms of the church at Jerusalem, an example of a church, not with the kind of plan that the Antioch church had. Uh, The Antioch church had a vision and they sent people out. But here is something that comes unexpectedly. But for that to happen, it's good for us to be open to the unexpected. Are we at least a little bit open to that, do you think? Hopefully we are. Uh, And we're wanting to see in this coming year what God is going to do amongst us. So there's an up, but there's also an in. And this is really where the the reading came uh, when we read that choosing of the seven, uh, as Matthew read it. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews. A little bit of tension in the church. That doesn't happen today, does it? Or maybe occasionally it does. Uh, And actually it's happened all through the story of the church. It's not about problems showing that the church has gone wrong. Problems give us an opportunity to deal with things in a way that is really good. And some extra good often comes out of dealing with the problem. So you have the problem, two different groups, and it's about the widows. There was daily distribution of food. We can easily just skip over that, can't we? But here's a community that's looking after people who are in need. Daily distribution of food. But one group was saying, they're getting a bit more than I get. They're getting better quality bread, or whatever it was, than I'm getting. And so there's tension. And so they address this problem, this issue. And the 12, the ones that Jesus had appointed, they say this. They say, it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word uh, to be involved in these things to do with the daily, daily distribution of food. Brothers and sisters, Choose seven men among you from a, who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them. So here's the problem. A bit of apparent injustice in the community between two groups, these groups of widows. And here's a solution. The twelve apostles don't say, ah, we've got all the answers, we'll sort it out. What they actually say is, You sort it out. You guys discern, find some people who can really take on this responsibility. And that's an absolutely key thing, I think, for where we are at Camborne at the moment. When you're a small church that has grown to a bigger church, it's very easy for the people who were there in the small church to still be thought of 
as the people who will sort everything out. You know, they were, they were around. They're the kind of central core. They know what it's all about. We can leave it to them. But actually, when the church gets bigger, there's a need for more and more people to be involved, to take responsibility, to use their gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the gifts of the Spirit are certainly about tongues and prophecy and healing and things that we perhaps associated with the gifts of the Spirit, but also administration and helping and caring and organizing and making sure that things happen well. Those are also the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, they said, find these people. How do they describe? Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And so these seven are appointed, and the names, why Matthew's list of names were important, is that they were all from one community, the community that felt discriminated against the Greek-speaking community. That's where they took the leaders from, so that there'd be no question, but that they would be able to understand the needs and deal with the needs. So I think that's really interesting, isn't it? Uh, That it's from that community that these leaders were appointed. So there was a lot of in going out. Does that make sense? They were dealing with things in the community. And it's not wrong for us to be looking at how our community functions. In fact, it's very, very important. And then the final thing uh, is about uh, the out. And the out, again, is really different to Antioch. In Antioch, it was something with a tremendous vision. Where are you going to go? Paul and Barnabas and the other people who joined them went out. But here... It's, in a way, a kind of sad out, because it's all about suffering and actually about martyrdom. So the second half of the story that we read is about Stephen, one of these seven, a man full of God's grace and power, performing wonders and signs among the people. But opposition started, and people were persuaded to speak against Stephen. People were stirred up and they took Stephen and they put him on a charge of speaking against the holy place and against the law and changing the customs that Moses had handed down. So here's Stephen. He didn't know what he had signed up to really, did he? He signed up to help the widows and now he's doing something very, very different. And perhaps in our lives, perhaps this is for some of us a time when we need to move out into something else. I guess if we thought we were all going to be martyrs, we might think twice about moving out into it. But there's something about this story in terms of the out, which is a big challenge to us, because it is an out in terms of the costliness of the out, the suffering that is involved in the out, in the church being scattered as it was in this early period through the persecution. Uh, Philip was one of those seven that we read about, and he went out as an evangelist. Philip, who had four daughters who prophesied, we read that about him. I, I sometimes think about Philip, and I think, wow, I had two daughters, you know, I've got two daughters, and that was quite a, a bit going on in our household, but four daughters who were prophesying. 
you know, excuse me, mom or dad, I've got this message for you today, and all of this going on in the household. Perhaps he wanted to get out and go on his missionary journeys uh, to get away from all that. But anyway, for whatever reason, people are going out, and the church in Jerusalem becomes a missionary church because of the persecution that scattered uh, the people in all kinds of different places. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Janice and I were back in Prague, uh, where we used to live and work, and uh, one of the students that I had there from Russia, from Siberia, uh, was having his viva for the end of his PhD studies. And his work has been mainly to do with the Russian Baptists in Siberia and the story. Uh, so many, many stories, uh, and often stories that were passed on orally. So he's been gathering all this material and talking about what happened in Siberia, un- especially under the communist times, the uh, uh, brutal suppression. And somebody in the Viva was saying, well, you know, Siberia is a long way away. And it depends where you live, you know. If you live in Siberia, it's not a long way away. Uh, But from here, yes, it's a long way away. Uh, What's so important about these people in Siberia? And he said, well, actually, they're extremely important because when the suppression of Christians started in Russia, many of the people living in the cities were taken to Siberia to be put in the camps, in the prison camps, the gulag. Uh, and so here were many, often many of the leaders of the church being taken to this area. And then when eventually they were released from prison, or maybe some of them died in prison, but if they got out of prison, they would often not be allowed to go back to where they lived before. Uh, and so they stayed in Siberia. So his argument was, you can see he came from Siberia, he did think this was important, but it was an interesting argument how the church spreads, not by choice, I think none of those people wanted to go to Siberia, but just because of the situation. And so these people then uh, continued their witness in places that they would never expected to continue it. And that's the story. That's the story of this church in Jerusalem. It's the story of churches through uh, the centuries. So perhaps that's not uh, exactly where we are in Camborne, but nevertheless, we're part of a bigger story. Uh, of the church, which we need to be aware of, need to pray about. And also, we are people who want to face up to the fact that to be a Christian involves taking up the cross and following Jesus. It's not necessarily an easy thing today in this society to be a Christian. So let's be challenged about our out It's nice to watch a video of a church that in five years has become 350 people, but that's not without real investment of work and effort, time, gifts being used. So that, as we look forward, is one of the things that challenges us. To be an up church, to be open to the Holy Spirit, to be an out, to to be an in church, which is caring about the needs of people and really using gifts to care for those needs. And to be out, but to remember, as with Stephen, that this message is often spread through suffering. So let's have a moment of quiet as we...
Allow God's Spirit to speak to us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.